Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 108 of Confessions of a Market Maker. I'm your co-host, Ray, a.k.a. All Day Ray, a.k.a. Lefty, and I'm joined here by my illustrious co-host, former market maker of 20 years and current day retail trader, one of the OGs of the pink sheets, the creme de la creme of Howe Street. He taught you how to think like a villain. JJ, how's it going? Good, brother. How are you? Doing really good, man. Doing really good. I'm um, excited. Our guest today, he's making his second appearance on the podcast. He's an expert in the areas of personal health, human chains, processes, and systems integration. The man behind the Pearl Institute, which offers personal health planning services for individuals who want to improve their physical, mental, and spiritual well-being for the long term. The author of the Prime Cuts newsletter, an advisor to an investor in social and digital media companies across stages of development. He's previously served as CBO, CMO at Osprey Funds, EVP at Bank, OZK, Executive Editor at StockTwits, and Interactive Editor at Yahoo Finance. He's earned a Doctor of Psychology degree. You guys know who I'm talking about, Dr. Phil Perlman. Doc, thanks for joining us again, man. Ray and JJ, what's up, fellas? Great to great to be here again. I, I really appreciate the uh, I really appreciate you guys providing me a platform to reach people. Really, absolutely. really appreciate. It. Well, absolutely. I mean, you provide uh, just great content. Uh, our first episode was very memorable for myself. It was one of my favorite ones uh, that we've done. So I definitely wanted to have you. It's always in the back of my mind to have you back on. I don't know if you remember. So at least for the listeners, that was episode fifty nine. You guys can go back listen to that, Doc. I don't know if you remember. Um, I asked you for a book recommendation, the first podcast we did. Do you remember what that book was that you recommended? I don't. What was it, was, it? it was Zen, uh, The Authentic Gate. You recommended it. Um, phenomenal book. Honestly, one of the most impactful books I had. Um, do you, you, I'm assuming you've read this book or you advise, you know, you give this out. Uh, do, do you remember anything about this? Sure. I mean, you know, listen, for me, uh, everything is a model, right? Mm -hmm. Everything is a way of looking at the world. Uh, they're free or maybe the cost of a book. And we can sort of put it on, put a mental model on the way we put a hat on. Yeah. And for me, uh, the, the Buddhism model uh, and the Taoism models uh, are really uh, resonant. So I have a tendency to... Uh, have a tendency to 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 read and listen in that area, um, and they uh, they vibrate here in my in my chest, um, and so you know, I mean that's that's really. And so if somebody asks me, uh, that's what I'll tell them. Yeah, yeah. Usually, you know, sometimes depending on my mood, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I could I, say I, I could kick you and say, "Don't read a book. Go for a walk." How about that? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I, I got to thank you a lot because um, the book has had a very profound impact on me because, you know, I, I practice uh, Zen um, and, uh, you know, like you said, it, it's so applicable, especially to like trading or, or performance activities. Um, and then obviously, you know, the deeper you go into it, you can hit more spiritual aspects as well. Um, so I just wanted to thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what was the thing that stuck out in your mind? Like, what was the thing that like captured you? I mean, I, I very often find I'll read a whole book and it'll be a half a page that is the mm -hmm. only, you know, the, the, mm -hmm. the resonant, meaningful part. And I'll be like, okay, now I'm, 
just going to zoom in on that half a page or whatever, and it changes my life. What was the what was the resonant uh, component? Man, it, it's hard it's hard to drill it down to one thing because it's uh, man, it's it's very deep. I I think for me, I, I just think you know, Doc. I think it's just taking my practice like even deeper. Um, just cut through the illusions uh, that I think we all live with, um, and, and really just get me closer to reality um, as possible. And I, I think that's like my real, you know, my real aim. And 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 I think I think a big thing, you know, now that I'm talking this out, um, the you know, I think especially as a trader, it's very applicable to to not be attached to the results. And you know, obviously that's a huge principle, if not like the biggest principle, right? Non-attachment. Um, and in that, it it brings. Uh, it brings some more fulfillment in life and maybe enjoying the process. And so I, I think that that's what I'd say. Well, you know, that's a really interesting take because uh, sort of, you know, thoughts come and thoughts go and feelings come and feelings go. And when we hold on to them and grip them and don't let go of them, you know, you can see me acting this out and you can see how my mm -hmm. hands are now. They're clenched exactly. and they're stiff. And... Yeah. That's the same exact thing with trading. Trades come and they co and they go. And yeah. when we hold on to them and when we don't let them go, that's when they uh, become objects of our obsession, irrational, anger. That's when all of that stuff builds up. Uh, so it is a very similar process. I mean, you have a bad trade, man. You know, it comes and it goes. And if you're practicing that type of mindfulness within your practice, whatever it is, where it's like, hey, okay, thoughts come and thoughts go. They're not me. The thoughts that I'm having aren't me. In one moment, I might have an angry thought. It doesn't mean that defines me. I might have a bad trade. Uh, that doesn't mean that defines me. Very similar process there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I like the, uh, a lot of his emphasis on, you know, coming back, like bringing yourself back, whether it's bringing it back to neutral, you know, maybe you fell off, you know, we could use an example of like eating, right? Like, Hey, maybe you fell off the wagon a little bit and it's bringing yourself back. It's the, it's the, they say like the, the, the direction of the way is back, like, like coming back. Um, and I like that concept as well. Cause like you said, you know, if we have a bad trade, um, can't let it compound. Right. And, and I know this is very similar, right. In nutrition and, and fitness as well. 100%. Yeah. Next. You know, yes, like it's like next. Okay, let's move on. Yep. So, so Doc, I want I want to um I want to open up. I want to ask you with a question. Um, you know that I hear from some people, uh, or maybe a statement that you know people use example of some traders who are very good, very high performance, some of the best traders in the world, and they might necessarily be in the best shape, um, in the world, or maybe you know they're not healthy, and people will use these people as an example to be like, oh, hey, I you know. I can put off my health for a time being to just strictly focus on my trading and become the best trader that I can. What would you say to these people? Well, you know, listen, number one, everybody's different, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, Babe Ruth was like drinking beers and eating hot dogs. <laughs> and he was the greatest home run hitter of all time. However, can you just imagine how much better he would have been yeah. if he would have taken care of his of his, of his body and his mind. I mean, he would have been even better. He could have been, he could have been even better. He could have been hit another home hundred home runs. Yep. And so we're all different. And it's really the level that we start at. 
That's number one. It's the level where we're starting from and how do we develop and how do we improve? And one of the ways that we can improve, whether we're a trader or in any aspect of life and any aspect of performance, whether it's trading, whether it's another job that we do, whether it's our relationships, whether it's our mood and quality of life and enjoyment of life, is by getting ourselves healthy mind, body, and spirit. And, you know, I call that fitness alpha, just kind of using a fancy term uh, that that market participants, people involved with finance can understand that concept of alpha and outsized return. But as you get healthier, your performance in multiple, multiple areas, and you think about it from a trader's perspective, stress tolerance, mm-hmm. um, energy level, ability to focus, stamina, you know, I mean, you have a long day and all of a sudden it's 4.15 and you have a company that's reporting or a company in a sector that you're related to or you have an investment in or in trading in is reporting and you still have to be on it. Mm-hmm. And so there are people who abuse themselves that make a ton of money, build companies, whale trading, you know, that one way that they deal with stress in the in the short term is by eating garbage food or by not moving their body. And Guilty. sure, that, what's that? <laughs> Guilty. Did it. There you, you know? go. And yeah. they can, and, and that, that sustains in the short term. Yeah. It's adaptive in the short term, maybe, and maladaptive in the long term. And what we Very really want to do is we want to sort of optimize both as best we can. Mm. We want to be as successful in the short term as we can. Sure. Of course. We want to enjoy life today. Sure. Of course. But we also want to think about our future selves and optimize for that as well. So that we're healthy. I mean, a lot, you know, there's people out there that they go out there and they learn, they earn 10 million or $50 million. They destroy themselves. And then they're 60 years old. They're done 65 years old and their bodies are shot and they can't go travel the way they want to. They can't do fun and exciting things the way they want to, man. Just imagine that moment. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, I, I completely agree. I hit a brick wall at 40. I ran into it head first and had a quintuple bypass. Oof. So I, I learned the hard way, right? 20 hour day. How you doing now? How you doing now? Brother? I, I moved to England. My girlfriend made me drop 46 pounds. I walk, you know, three to five miles a day. Um, you know, just completely. I feel better than I did when I was 30, you know, because, right. you know, you sit down in this industry, you got to. 32 inch waist and 20 years later, it's a 50 inch waist, you know, cause you never move, you know? So that's one thing I really love about your, your, your Twitter is, you know, I'll be like, just, you know, cause you kind of descend back into that. And then I see something that you'll post and you'll be out in the woods or something like that. And it's a little bit of like, Oh, here, like, you know, it's like, it cleans your head, you know, it cleans your mind out. So you're not obsessing about things that you shouldn't be, you know? I really, yep. really appreciate that. No, I, I, that's great that you did it. You made a change for life. Um, the important things are not the priorities of our society. And so we're a product of our society. And we get caught up in all of the wrong priorities. And it's very, very hard to shake them. Yeah. And all of a sudden, we're chasing things Oof. that are uh, less important than our uh, uh, well-being, our personal well-being, those around us, and our relationships, uh, and it, it's a huge cost. It's a, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a toxic component of our culture. Yeah, very mm-hmm. true. I felt like I was on a treadmill for you know fifteen years. 
just couldn't get yeah. off of it, you know, until yeah, finally I'm, something broke, you know. I'm with you, man. I'm completely with you. I mean, I, I you know, sometimes I call it 40 years in the desert, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. uh, spent a lot of time uh, moving further and further away from the person I was when I was, you know, 12 and like running out in the woods and enjoying myself and playing ball all day and not even, you know, losing, uh, losing, uh, 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 losing track of the time, just enjoying life in the moment. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm sorry to Ray. I'm interrupting it. No, it's awesome. I I lived, I lived in Hawaii in 1987. Uh, My uncle had a midlife crisis and moved down there. And uh, so I got to go live there and I swear to God, some of the times I had like maybe 10 bucks in my pocket. And I had the time of my life, you know, and then you go and you make millions and you're like, this should be more fun. It's like, why, why, why was I, you know, I, I just didn't have a care in the world. It's just had the time of my life, you know, coming home at four in the morning, you yeah. know, it just, you know, but you had 10, 15, 20 bucks in your pocket, you know, cause you were just a, just a kid. And uh, yeah, very, very true. Yeah. World is filled with, uh, Miserable rich people, sadly. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a, well, that's something you I, I've seen you advocate, uh, right? Doc is uh, putting aside time for for play. Uh, what what is what does that mean to you? What what's what's play to you? Play to me is uh, running around in the woods, hiking, uh, playing with my dog. Sometimes writing is play. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's not. You know, sometimes it's like this <laughs> horrible but glorious combination of work and play. Uh, the creative component is really listening to music is play for me. Playing music mm-hmm. is play for me. Getting outside with my my dog or my kids uh, is play for me. Um, cooking sometimes is play. Uh, you know, hanging around with my wife, doing stuff with my wife uh, is play. Sometimes we'll just go somewhere. Uh, that we don't usually go, just have a little adventure, completely enjoyable. Uh, but my 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 sort of daily one is uh, running and getting in the woods. You know, like I'll do, go do sprints. Let me tell you, man, going doing sprints. Like if you have the if you have the capacity for it physically, because it's a, it takes a toll on your body. Yeah. It reminds me. It remind it takes me back yeah. to elementary school, and you know, like. The, the three or four kids that we used to do the 40 yard dash with mm-hmm. and just race each other. And sometimes one kid would win and sometimes the another, and sometimes I would win. And sometimes, man, we had these races all the time. We didn't even realize how good we had it, but that was, it was great, uh, yeah. great stuff. Yeah. And, and I mean, sprinting has got to be one of the best things for your body. Um, at least I believe so doc, what, what is, so, so what does play do for the spirit? Why, why are you, or, or for the human, like why, why are you such a big advocate of it? Playing is fundamental. Playing is like breathing. Um, And the reason, I mean, you know, it's complicated, right? It's not, I I can't explain that all to you, but our, uh, we are, we are hardwired to be creative. We're hardwired to be curious. We're hardwired to amuse ourselves and have amusing moments with others and pleasurable times with other people. And all of those things are encapsulated in play. And uh, so we're, we're hardwired to want to do that. 
to want to enjoy. That's why, that's how humor is humor, right? I mean, you can, you can, you can uh, 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 deconstruct what makes something funny. And part of a thing that makes something funny is the surprise, you know, like you get that punchline and it's a surprise ending or a pun. And then you chuckle and you laugh and your, your body viscerally responds to it mm -hmm. by nature. It's a similar thing. And that's word play, right? It's sure. a similar thing. So we, we want to have novelty. We want to enjoy ourselves. We want to goof around. We want to interact. We want to explore. We want to create. That is a natural part of our being as, as, as much as breathing or movement or sleep, uh, is. And so, and I, and I end, by the way, I only think I'm scratching the surface in my response to you, because I think there are some things about it that we don't understand. And I want to be humble in my response and not act like I know it all because there's stuff about play that I know is fundamental that I don't, I don't understand. And you can see that when you look at other animals in the animal kingdom, and you can see that when you watch your kids or just watching kids play and they're doing something, you can see that when you remember yourself, you know, you can see that this weekend, I went out hiking with a buddy of mine and my dog. We went very early in the morning and two hours went by and I was like, okay, we're just getting started. And we had to go, you know, and we must have went five, six, seven miles in two and a half hours. And the time went by like that because we were just enjoying ourselves. It was just fun. It was fun physically. We were laughing. We were, uh, we, you know, we had adventures with the dog and we discovered new things that we had never seen before. Mm -hmm. uh, play. Just beautiful. I can't, can't recommend that enough. Uh, especially if you're out there and you're living and you're feeling stressed and you have doldrums and you're like, Hey, you know, there's this part of me that is not doing its thing. Just get out there, throw a ball, you know, mm -hmm. go out into the woods and take a little, take a little stroll or whatever. I love it. I, I love it. Um, it's part of like, too, like not taking life so serious, you know, and, and mm -hmm. I even bring it back to the book you recommended to me. And that's one of the things it's like, you know, like with Zen, right? It's like, it's always somewhere in the middle, right? Like you want to take life serious, but not too serious neither. And I think that's, you know, it's a good reminder play can give to you. So I'm just, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, you know, Buddhism uh, emphasizes the impermanence of life, mm -hmm. you know, and people very often, especially in our culture, again, another toxic component to our culture is that we're sort of in this denial of death, you know, like we get older and we start doing plastic surgery to our faces. And then we see celebrities who have destroyed themselves because they're trying to hold on to this youth that is elusive. And meanwhile, we are going to die. But that is actually a very freeing thing because there's a, there's a, there's a, a wonderful aspect to it. And the wonderful aspect to it is that life is finite. And so there's only a finite number of moments that we get here on this earth. So we may as well, we might as well enjoy. We might as well have a little fun. We might as well have a, uh, a, an experience that is rewarding to us intrinsically, not, not extrinsically, not for what other people think, but because we just enjoy it. We genuinely feel like, oh man, that was fun. You know, like you go down, you go to a water park, take your kids, go down that big slide. And you're like, all of a sudden you're, tw you're immediately 12. You just went down the slide. You feel great. You're like, 
okay, what are we going to do? Okay, let's get back in line. Let's go down that slide again. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I just think of like, like times with my kid, you know, and it, it brings you back or you mentioned the dog, you know, same thing with my dog. I, I noticed that just, there's like certain moments that just, to just stick out. And it's like, yeah, you, like you're saying, you can't even describe it. Just the joy, the, the, the play, the, just in the moment. Um, it's incredible. So doc, um, a, a few times when we've been talking and, and I wanted to ask you about this, uh, we, we brought up like the cultural and societal, um, impacts and really how, you know, the way we want to live our lives is completely different um, than how society does or the influences. Have you had clients um, where this is like, this is a hard part? I mean, I know it's a hard part for myself, right? Like being somebody who lives, you know, I mean, we all do, we all live in society, but I I want to live my life a different way, but we have all these pressures. Uh, Most people in our lives probably don't live or have the same priorities that we do. Um, so I guess one, do, do, have you encountered this with people that you work with, like this being a, a struggle for them? And I guess two, you know, how would you advise somebody uh, who has these type of struggles? It's very unfortunate that we live in a culture that is not healthy. We live in a toxic culture across multiple domains, whether it's political, our political environment is obviously toxic. No matter where you are watching this, no matter who you are, where you are, it's a mess. Um, Our health environment is incredibly toxic. I mean, if you look at long-term charts of obesity, if you look at long-term charts of diabetes, they're all going up and to the right, even though we have more knowledge than we've ever had. If you look at mental health statistics, depression and anxiety are also going up through the roof, right? It's a very, it's a, it's a, so, and we're hardwired to go with the program. We're social Mm -hmm. animals. And so we're sort of hardwired to go along with the group, to go along with the herd. If you're traders watching this, you know that, right? Uh, Things get cheap. Everybody runs out of the store, right? That's a a great quote from Cullen Roach, right? He's like, you know, Wall Street is the only place where there's a sale. Everybody runs out of the store. And it's exactly (laughs) the opposite, right? Prices go higher, higher, higher. You know, we know it. Earning, you know, uh, uh, price momentum is empirically based. We know it for a fact. Swami Nathan, you know, in Journal of Finance, they proved it, that that Mm -hmm. with higher prices come more buyers and higher prices. That's trend following. Exactly. And so- so we all, so we all know that 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 type of that that we're hardwired to go along with, and in many ways, from an evolutionary basis, it served a great purpose for us to be uh, uh, hardwired to go along with our herd, to go along with our uh, with our crew. However, when you live in a toxic culture, you just go along, and you just do what everybody else is doing. You can actually damage yourself. You are damaging yourself. You are feeding into it. You start gaining a couple pounds every year, turn around 20 years later, and all of a sudden you've gained 20, 25, 30, 35, 40 pounds. Mm-hmm. JJ, you were talking about exactly that earlier. Exactly. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, definitely. You, just, you just start, you don't even think about it. It's just subconsciously eating. And then after you work 20 hours a day, you just crash in front of the TV. 
right? It's the unhealthy, and then takeout food too, right? It's like the unhealthiest lifestyle, right? Yeah, and if you it, smoke and drink on top of that, oh God, that's even worse, right? Yeah, we've made you it know? so easy to do that. Yeah, and we've glorified things like alcohol, which is you know sexy and cool and all that, <laughs> and you know expensive bourbons or whatever. Yeah, and, and junk food too. I mean, junk food. You know, yes. you got a Big Mac as big as your head now. Dear God, I mean, the you know the portion sizing and you know none of that stuff's got, you know natural, right? So it's uh, it 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 takes a while, and then so I'm 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 really grateful that my girlfriend is she's basically saved me because you know after a heart attack and a quadruple bypass, I started falling in the same trap. But you need to change your whole lifestyle, and um, it's weird because now. I find even when I've lost weight, um, I trade much more clear. I there's barely any emotion anymore because, you know, I guess, you know, you drop that weight, you drop that mental fog. You don't even need coffee in the morning, you know, to be zoned in. Yeah. So many things begin to happen when you start yeah. to get your mind and body healthy. It's a yeah. gateway. It, re- it it trends also. Then yeah. you want to get more healthy. You feel, exactly. you know, you get positive reinforcement from it. Yeah. Uh, things that were difficult for you become a little bit easier. You start to feel better. Your mood improves. You have more oh, energy. Yeah. Sleep better. Beautiful thing. Yeah. Um. But I want to come back to this toxic culture thing. It's what you originally asked about. It. Unbelievably important. Because here's the thing: to get healthy in this toxic culture, we have to have a subversive streak. We have to have a rebellious streak. And so when you ask about my clients, sometimes they have that by nature, right? Sometimes they're a little bit rebellious themselves. Sometimes they're very, very go along with the, with the crowd. They're very much, Hey, I'm just, I don't want to rock the boat. I want to. And I think that that depending on how I approach the planning and the training and the treatment, that can play a part. That can that can really, you know, if a, if a person doesn't have this willingness to go against the grain, hey, you know, I learned that eggs were bad and I learned that butter was bad. And uh, if they don't have this willingness to, 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 to consider the fact that the things that we've been taught are off and that the culture is wrong and that that's why all these things are happening, that's why obesity is skyrocketing, Mm -hmm. then I may have to take a different approach or it may not be as easy. So -hmm. there is this, I think, adaptive, healthy, subversive streak. And the metaphor that I use is contrarianism, right? In markets, it's so hard to be a contrarian, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, there's a prudent bear fund or whatever, Guy's been betting against the market for the last 25 years. What's that, what's that guy's name again? Prudent Bear oh, guy. Yeah. Man, his, his results, his, his, his returns have been shit forever. <laughs> like this yeah. guy, how does he, how can he continue to do it? But in, so being a contrarian, it's, it's doable. I mean, Warren Buffett, you know, arguably is contrarian and he just, you know, he buys where everybody hates it. And he, but, um, but in health, being a contrarian is absolutely mandatory because if you're not going against the grain of our society, 
then it's very, very difficult to get healthy because we're doing, our society is doing so many unhealthy things, whether it's, you know, you were talking about uh, in terms of uh, 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 drinking or not moving your body or eating the wrong way. All of those things are condoned by our society and not unaccepted. So we have to be, we have to be subversive. We have to be contrarians. We have to go against Mm -hmm. the grain uh, of, of the, of the larger society that we're a part of. Yeah. Gotta be rebellious. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And that that's easy for someone like myself to buy into. Cause I, uh, yeah, I already have those, <laughs> those tendencies or did growing up. So I like, I really like <laughs> the way you framed that right there. Uh, I just got to give a quick shout out to good friends of the podcast, apex trader and top step funding. Any listener of this podcast that has the skills to pass an evaluation can become a prop trader fully funded by either apex trader or top step funding. Our own micro future trading community has many members who are now fully funded. No need to trade with your own money. Keep, 90% of the profits to learn more visit our website at microefutures.com uh doc you know i was i was a little surprised um to see some of those pictures of you in uh your 30s um where you know you're in a uh, worse shape than you are now and i believe you're 56 am i correct yeah i'm turning 56 in a month okay and uh you know i'm 50 pounds lighter mhm um, I can do a lot more pull-ups and I can run a lot farther and a lot faster and my relationships are better. Uh, my life is, uh, amazing. I'm blessed out of my brains. I'm enjoying, uh, I'm enjoying my life on a daily basis, successful at what I'm doing. And, uh, you know, I got my shit together, man. I was in the desert for 40 years and, mm-hmm. uh, really lost myself and uh lost who i was and uh took me a while to yeah rediscover that yeah yeah interesting we're because you know you you struck me as somebody who you know this was always like part of your life maybe you grew up playing athletics could you maybe just speak to you know were were you active growing up like you know what happened during that time period and i i assume i guess that woke you up yeah you know i was an athlete as a kid Mm -hmm. uh you know eight 10, 12, 14 years old, uh, I was always out playing ball, uh, playing high school sports, uh, you know, would disappear with, you know, a buddy and a glove Mm -hmm. and a ball and then show up for lunch. And then we would disappear again with a basketball, you know, and just (laughs) like, and just bikes and whatever. Love movement, love activity. And, uh, I just started getting away from that. I started, you know, using, you know, drinking and smoking pot and just getting away from that self. And this is a very common thing. I'm, this is turning up with friends of mine, clients where they tell me, oh yeah, I was an athlete in school. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're 30, 35, 40 years old and they're 240 and then 250 and 260 pounds. drinking way too much, not moving their bodies anymore. And so we get away from ourselves, you know? I mean, it's very common to sort of lose that spark that you had when you were a kid. I mean, a lot more stress. You got to pay taxes. You got complex relationships. You got kids. You got clients who are, who are, who are making it more difficult for you. You got bosses who are a-holes, you know, (laughs) if you're trading, you know, you basically uh, eat what you kill, right? So you have a down yeah. month. I mean, 2022, 
how many people just got massacred in 2022, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, and so we get away from ourselves. As a matter of fact, here's a great going back to the to the Buddhism again. You know, I read this one thing about what enlightenment is. You know, like like Zen is can be very cryptic and paradoxical, and there's sure. two things that have to <laughs> yeah. exist simultaneously that appear like they're uh, antithetical, but they're really not. Um, so I read this one uh, quote once that just said, "Enlightenment is just rediscovery," and yeah. that made enlightenment really click for me. You know, because at the moment I read it, I was rediscovering this part of myself. I was in the act of rediscovering this part of me that was the real part when I was 12 and 13 and loved to run around. And so for me, I got further and further away from myself. And now I'm going the other way. And the cat's out of the bag. There's there's no going back. So I'm just rediscovering myself, developing, growing like crazy, getting faster, uh, you know, I'm going to turn 56, uh, like I said, next month. And, you know, I ran, you know, about six months ago, I ran a, a half marathon, uh, a minute a mile faster than I ran it five years ago. So I'm just, you know, I have m- m- years of improvement left, years of getting faster, stronger, uh, smarter, learning, mm-hmm. um, all of that stuff. Uh, so it's never too late is really a thing to take away. If you're if you're out there and you're watching this or you're listening and you're feeling like you're very disconnected from who you are mm-hmm. and you're you're in a rut or you don't feel healthy, it's never too late. It is never too late. You can you can flip the switch. You can begin yeah. to just take a walk in the morning. Exactly. Right? You just begin to take a walk in the morning is an incredible turn your phone off and take a walk in the morning is a great place to start. Sounds exactly. so pedestrian pun intended but it is an incredible place to start it's 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 healthy for you on 30 different levels yeah yeah that's why uh, yeah i love that the the, the re- rediscovery um uh you know because you know a lot of times you know the, not to keep taking the, the buddhist turn on this but uh you know a lot of times like you're saying it, it, for a western person it could be hard to understand I think some of these translations or the way it's put and I, you know, the same thing when it, you know, dawned on me too, it's just read it. It's, it's who you, who you are already. And it's just, it's just the rediscover, uh, the rediscovery, whether just based on life experience, societal influences, et cetera. Uh, doc, you know, you, you say, you say you're in your best shape now of running faster than you have before. And, you know, I've heard of other people in their fifties, you know, saying this same thing. And do, do you think, you know, that, the, the the age, you know, people saying like, oh, your metabolism slows down or, you know, just the the age effect. Do you think it's maybe perhaps uh, overstated um, a bit and it's more maybe due to people, like you mentioned, uh, the poor choices um, that they've made as they got older? Yes. Age is overstated. Genetics is overstated. Mm. Uh, it's all overstated. The way that we live is far more important than anything else. Now, there's limits to that. There are limits. I mean, our body does, there are aging effects that are impossible to counteract over a very long period of time. Uh, But within that sort of lifespan, the things that we can do to improve our health span like how long we stay healthy during that lifespan, right? Uh, is 
is very much environmentally based. I mean, we can just get really healthy uh, by doing the right things day after day after day, just one day at a time and then stacking them. You know, you live one day today where you move your body, you eat really clean food, you connect with somebody that you care about. Today's my mom's birthday. It's her 90th birthday. I'm going to give her a call right after this uh, podcast, right? Mm -hmm. Talk to her, connect with her, love her up a little bit. It's going to feel great. I can't wait to do it. It's going to feel great. Mm -hmm. Um, All of those, oh, sleeping and rest is the other one. Uh, Those four things, I stack those four things within one day. And then I start to stack those days. I begin to age more slowly mm-hmm. and uh, make my sp- make myself healthier, depending on where I'm coming from and what I do. It's undeniable. I mean, undeniable. So within that frame of guess, let, yes, you're only going to live a certain period of time. Life is finite. We can improve our health and quality of life during that period immensely based on the things that we do day after day after day, the habits that we make. Yeah. You know, that, that strikes me as like empowering, you know, like, because that's in our control, right? All, all, all these things are in our control. There's so much out of our control. Um, yeah. Unbelievably empowering and unbelievably within our control. As a matter of fact, when we get healthier, one thing that improves, and we know this, we know this, I know this from N of one myself, but also there's a research literature out there that says that the healthier we become, the higher self-efficacy goes. And self-efficacy is just basically this idea that you can do something to enact something else. Like it's like sort of like self self-confidence, right? Hey, I believe I could change this or hey, I believe I can be successful at this. And so as we get healthier, self-efficacy also improves and that's a beautiful cycle uh, because then the more self-efficacy uh, we have, the more we think we can do to improve ourselves even more and it's like a, you know, it's like a positive uh, feedback loop. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Doc, um, I got, uh, I, I pulled something here from your, um, uh, your article, your your newsletter. Um, uh, what's the, the Prime Cuts? Prime Cuts. Mm-hmm. So, uh, listeners, go out there, read it. It's great stuff. Um, and you know, I see you tweet. You might even t- uh, tweeted about it today um, about how I think most people are fooled by the appearance of um, complexity or people love complexity or, or they want to overcomplicate things. And, and I think there's this uh, clear parallel to trading as well. Um, but you say life remains simple. So keep making simple moves. Simplicity and consistency trumps complexity and intensity. C- can you just speak to this topic uh, to the listeners? Yeah. So here's the thing. So we are, um, on earth right now. Okay. And so I look like I'm standing perfectly still, but really I'm spinning on a ball <laughs> at yes. thousands of miles per hour, right? Earth is going like this, even though I'm feeling like I'm standing still. And not only are we spinning at thousands of miles per hour, but we are also moving around the sun even faster, right? And not only are we moving around the sun even faster, but the sun is flying through the Milky Way galaxy. And so we're moving around the sun, orbiting the sun. 
And then not only is the sun just flying through the Milky Way galaxy, but the Milky Way galaxy is zooming through the universe. And so here's the thing about all that. My knowledge of all of that, how fast I'm moving, really is completely meaningless. Like it has no bearing on my well-being at this moment while I'm standing perfectly still. I'm just standing still. Like all knowledge of that, if I didn't know about that, it wouldn't change my life even this much. And so it appears, it appears that we're living in a world that is getting more and more complex. The more we know, the more complex it is. You know, they say the world, the internet's making the world smaller. Sometimes in some ways, the internet's making the world bigger because Mm -hmm. we know what's going on at any moment in the day with zero, almost nearing zero latency halfway around the world. And we know that, you know, some bomb went off or whatever. And meanwhile, the effect that that's really having on our lives is approaching zero. It has zero meaning in our life. And so all of this noise and all of these complexities and all of this has zero bearing. So there's people out there who are just like, addicted to finding what the next tiny bit of information or really noise, not information, but noise, what the next bit of noise is. And meanwhile, it's all meaningless. It has no uh, 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 bearing on our life at all whatsoever. And meanwhile, the things that matter in our life are all very, very simple. Like I said before, I could count them on one hand. There's only, with the thumb left over, there's only four things, Right. What do I eat? How do I move my body today? Do I get myself some sleep? And do I care with other people? Do I have interactions with the people that I really care about that matter? I do those four things every day. I win. No matter what happened, no matter what bomb went off halfway around the world, no matter what politicians are arguing with each other, Mm -hmm. no matter what economic number came in, none of that stuff really matters. Just those four things. So the world is actually unbelievably simple. But for some reason or another, you know, we're meaning makers, we're storytellers. You hear all of these rationale. I don't even care why. But for some reason, humans love to to have all of these complexities. They love to know. We're endlessly curious. There's that, you know, the slowdown you know, the rubberneck effect when you're driving and you have to see what happened, this accident, who cares? Has no effect on where I'm going. And so that's, you know, that's what's going on there. So the world is not getting any more complicated. We're just making it more complicated. Mm -hmm. In fact, it's still as simple as it ever was. Take care of yourselves, take care of the people around you. It's all it really is. Yeah, it it seems like the, the, the power of concentration, um, is needed more than ever uh, nowadays. And um, yeah, um, really love how you put that kind of on the same uh, topic. You know, I I guess, you know, there's so many apps, right? Apps for your sleep, uh, apps that, you know, I don't know, blood pressure, all that stuff. I'm not really into all that stuff. And, And I don't think you are either. Not that you have anything about it, but I know you're really big into, uh, listening to yourself, your own internal cues, um, it, I, I assume this is something you advise the clients as well. This one is huge. And it goes back to what we were talking about before, about the toxic culture that we live in. 
Mm-hmm. And one of the adverse effects of the toxic culture is that we have moved further and further away from an accurate awareness of how we feel. Okay. And when I talk about how we feel, I mean emotions, but I also mean how we, how we physically feel internal cues, right? So for example, interoceptive cues is the fancy, fancy term, but we're way, way removed from ourselves. We're very disconnected from ourselves. If we were connected, we wouldn't eat like garbage. We would eat the things that were nutrient rich that our body actually wanted. And so here's one example. Being cold or being hot. That's an easy one. We know when we're cold. We know when we're hot. You know, we're wearing a sweatshirt. We feel really hot. We just take the sweatshirt off, cools us down a little bit. That one we're still kind of in touch with. One thing that we're not in touch with anymore is uh, how hungry we are. Are we hungry? Or are we sate? There's all these Frankenstein foods uh, that have been invented by scientists at large multi conglomerate, you know, uh, uh, multinational uh, uh, food processed food conglomerates uh, like PepsiCo, um, and they create these foods that are hyper palatable that really mess up this internal gauge that is telling us how hungry we are. We have this gauge inside us. It's been, that gauge has been perfectly tuned by millions of years of evolution. We know when we're hungry. We know when we're sate. But more recently, the culture and these, you know, food conglomerates have messed with that gauge Mm. that is inside of us. And so getting back in tune with how we feel, our emotions, our intuition, and our interoception is a critical part of uh, adaptive functioning, of being, you know, of functioning at a really healthy level. Did I answer your question or completely sure. forget about no, it? No, no, no. <laughs> I think, and I think it even goes back to uh, the the rediscovery uh, of ourselves um, and who we are. And, and I like the quote you put: um, uh, "the the Buddha uh, or the Buddha didn't use an app under the Bodhi tree." Um, I thought that was funny. And that's, you know, yeah. I think it just nails, it just nails it on the head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, oh yeah. We were talking, right. We were talking about these. So there's all of these devices, yeah, yeah. you know, you got the whoop, you got the ring, you know, the mood ring, whatever they call that. You got the uh, Garmin, <laughs> you got the Apple watch and all that. And I think that one risk that we take when we wear all of these devices, in fact, two risks is one risk is that we remove ourselves even further from how we're really feeling and just being tuned to how we feel. Mm-hmm. And then I also think there's an enjoyment risk too, that we get so obsessed with, oh, this was my heart rate variability. And this was my, you know, this is my, my uh, 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 insulin spiking or glucose that we lose a connection to just enjoying the moment. Mm-hmm. That we get away. So I don't wear any of these devices. You know, I wear like a rubber band and a and a and a and a wedding ring, and a, and that's you know an engagement ring, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Because I just want to know how I feel. So if I go out for a run, it's like I'm just running. Um, now I will train, and I'll use a stopwatch, um, and there may be times where I wear a timer uh, on my wrist. 
but that's only if I'm training for an event. So it's really connected. And there may come a day in the future where I decide I want to uh, do something or test something. Um, but for now, anyway. And so Buddha reached enlightenment. I mean, he reached nirvana, right? And he didn't need like, you know, whatever those uh, meditation apps are, which are it's completely ridiculous. You know, like you need an app to fucking meditate. Thank you. Come on. Thank you. You said it. Thank you. You said it. I I think it's good for people, maybe if they're starting off, but I, I, I just, it uh, doesn't make sense to me, right? Uh, you're supposed to sit there by yourself with yourself, uh, but I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um. All right, Doc. We're almost done here. Um. So a few more things, and some of these things are heavily touched on. So I, you know, maybe just just you know give a succinct answer. We move on. Um. Oh, just one thing I did want to comment. I, you know, I I wanted. To, I didn't know if you were surprised by this as well, but I, I mean, I was highly surprised when I was going. You know, you've already brought up the charts of like all these multinational food conglomerates breaking out right and like you're like i was reading the article's funny you're like it's hitting all-time high as i'm typing hitting all-time high as i'm typing and uh you know all the diabetes charts etc and i I mean i don't know if it's just because like this like little bubble like maybe that i'm in or that we're in i was like no way i mean there's just so much information out on how bad these things are was that kind of surprising to you or you were you weren't really surprised at all I, I unfortunately I was not surprised at all because I become doing what I'm doing and yeah. being who I am I become hyper aware at what these what the what the junk food conglomerates are doing mm-hmm. and I'm very aware of what's going on in our culture and so you have sugar and and in that day some of these companies were reporting and I was just looking at these charts yeah and it was just so it's like fuck man sugar futures Making all, you know, making all time highs or five year highs, PepsiCo, all time high, McDonald's, McDonald's. all time high, Mondelez, all time high, Yum Brands, all time high, Hershey, all time high. And they, they all, they all sell these poisonous foods that are contributing to this collective metabolic syndrome, this collective Mm -hmm. ill health of our society. And we are all junkies, right? They make, exactly. they're the pusher. And they yep. have they have food scientists concocting these <laughs> artificial foods that yep. are addictive, hyper palatable, and they are winning. That's what I said before about you have to be subversive. You have to be a rebel to get healthy in this culture. And so they're all making all-time highs. As the same time, obesity and diabetes are going crazy two years over year, and so it's just, it's a very sad state that we live in. It actually makes me sad. It also, also pisses me off. I don't know if you can tell while I'm talking, uh, but that's just the world that we're living in. I mean, this was only, I only wrote that article, I don't know, a month ago, two months ago. Yeah. Um, that is what is happening now in our culture. And so for me to try to counteract that, even if it's only with myself, even if it's only being a role model for my kids, even if it's only with a small number of clients uh, who I work with, um, that to me is, a, 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 a at least I'm fighting the good fight and at least I'm making a positive difference in this world that may have a ripple effects over the generations and spread. Yeah, yeah, I I, I love that. I, I I forget the name of the philosophy. I I came across it a while ago, and it, and it was saying that like if everybody just was, uh, 
you know, people who have kids, right? If everyone just focused on being the best parent that they could be, that the world would be infinitely better. And, you know, essentially the philosophy is just you start with the people in your circle because that's all you really control. Like people want to go out and save the world and do that. But you save the world by starting with your family, your kids. Um, and I, I believe in that. I, th- I think that makes a ton of sense. Um, percent community centrism, localism. Yeah. All happiness is local. Exactly. All right, doc. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to ask you about alcohol. I know this has been touched on a lot, but I just want to hear it in your own words, you know, cause I mean, humans have been drinking since time immemorial. So embedded in our culture, how, how truly bad is alcohol? Well, listen, everybody's different. Mm-hmm. And for some people, alcohol is a neutral or a positive. However, for many, many people, alcohol is a significant negative. And it is uh, tricky. It is poisonous. It affects our brain. The more we use, the more we drink, the worse it is for us. And uh, there's all kinds of scientific evidence uh, related to the way it affects our mood, uh, the way it affects our brain over a long... There's short-term effects and there's long-term effects. And so when we're young, we can contain and uh, defeat the short-term effects very well. So there's no punishment. When you're 19, you go out drinking too much and then you wake up the next morning for your eight thirty uh, calculus class, or you, you know <laughs> whatever class you whatever class you're taking. And so what we do is we we train ourselves. There's a behavioral element that it's no big deal that it doesn't hurt us that much. We had a great time uh, the night before. You know we got uh, 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 Susie's number, and we had a <laughs> we we had we had fun with our buddies. And there really isn't that much price to pay. But as we get older, and we as we continue it longer and longer the negative effects creep up on us and creep up on us. So it is insidious in that way. And so I think it's very, very negative for many, many people. And I think it's worse than we're making it out to be. I mean, there's, you know, all of the marketing around alcohol makes it cool. It makes it fun. And so we are competing against that very similar to the way we're competing with the food companies that do the same thing. Um, If you're drinking too much, and you're starting to get an idea that that is the case. I can't, uh, I can't recommend enough um, Googling, you know, uh, alcohol dependence or alcoholism, reaching out to somebody, maybe a friend that you know has kicked it, uh, looking for phone numbers to call. Um, it's, it, or maybe just on your own, slowing your roll, you know. Uh, taking time off of drinking or setting a limit. Hey, I'm only going to have three drinks a week and it's only going to be on the weekends. Um, I can't recommend that kind of a thing enough because once people get into their 40s, it gets worse and worse over time and it starts getting away from us, especially into our late 30s, into our 40s. It's certainly older than that. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, one of the things um, too, like with the with the sleep, right? That uh how it disrupts your sleep or you, I guess you can't hit, you know, I'm not, you would know better than me. Um, but I guess you can't hit as deep as the sleep. And like, since I started to become aware of these things, you know, if you don't get good sleep messes up the rest of your day. And it's just kind of that, uh, that drifting, that trickle down effect. 
that can really just mess up a whole week if you're not careful enough or, you know, some to that effect. That's exactly right. Everything in our, everything interrelates. Mm-hmm. And so uh, when you drink too much and you don't get good sleep and then you wake up hungover or cranky the next day and it, so it bleeds into the next day of your functioning. And with sleep is the same thing. There's short-term effects and long-term effects. In short-term, we might have difficulty focusing or it may affect our mood. And in the long-term, uh, if we if we don't sleep well, our brain is affected, and you know onset of um, Alzheimer's and and all those types of things uh, increase risk increases. Yep. So so the keto diet, I know I'm pretty sure this is a big reason you lost a lot of weight too as well, JJ um, mm-hmm. Doc. I know you're a huge proponent of keto. Is is this um is this like a consensus? optimal diet uh but i or i i'm pretty sure there's some people who maybe like dispute its effectiveness what uh what would you say just i guess around this this whole topic the conventional wisdom when it comes to nutrition is destroying the health of our culture Mm. right the food pyramid that we all learned about when we were in fifth grade and we were indoctrinated with that has all of these grains at the bottom eat muffins for breakfast and cereal and oatmeal. And if you look at Honey Nut Cheerios, it says heart healthy on the on the box mm-hmm. because there's, you know, uh, lobbyists in Washington who are fighting for the food companies to be able to make these absurd claims. Yeah. And so the conventional wisdom around nutrition in our nation, and really we're spreading it around the world, is completely mistaken. Everything that we learned is off. And really what our body craves is nutrient-rich foods like animal protein, whole foods, natural foods, green leafy vegetables, broccoli and asparagus, and maybe some low-carbohydrate fruits like berries specifically or peppers. Peppers are actually a fruit. That's what our body really, really craves. So all this stuff we were taught. So anybody who says to you, no, I mean, there are evidence-based treatments for diabetes that have no medication, that are just low carb, mm. just keto. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it with myself. I've seen it with my clients over and over and over again. You know, I had one client last week that, you know, three months ago, he went to the doctor, had high blood pressure uh, last week. Three months later, went back to the doctor again, took him off the high blood pressure medication, right? So that is what is going on. We have to question whether what we've been taught uh, and what is sort of conventional wisdom within our culture is correct. Yep. Love it. Love it. Doc, I'm going to let you get going on your way. I've really appreciated this, but I can't let you go without one more book recommendation. Uh, Throw me, throw me a book. Uh, One more book recommendation. You know, uh, I'm reading one, or I just recently read one. You know what? This is a good one right here. (laughs) I just read this one earlier this year. It came out in January. And, you know, all the health gurus really focus on nutrition and movement and exercise. That's the easy stuff. 
right? Mm-hmm. But there's, and I mentioned this earlier, the four, it's one of the four things, our relationships and our connection to other people, we're social animals by nature. So there's a study that's been going on for over 80 years at Harvard, a longitudinal study, which means it goes on over time, where they have been interviewing intensively and giving you know physicals and checkups, medical checkups to an expanding group of people over 85 years um, and asking them, you know, well, what makes you happy and what has been fulfilling in your life and looking at longevity and looking at health markers. And the one thing that they have found over and over again across time periods, whether it was in the 40s or the 60s or the 90s or now, the most robust single factor has been our relationships. And so that often gets overlooked because, you know, you don't get six pack abs based on your relationships, you know, Mm -hmm. like exercise, how much you can bench is a lot sexier than, Hey, you know, I'm going to call my mom for her birthday today because I I love her and uh, it's going to be great to talk to her. Right. So this would be the book it's written by these guys who are like the fourth or the fifth generation of leaders of this study that's the, that okay cool day wow. so it's like this original groups these original cohorts and then their children and then their grandchildren and so the study's actually grown and gotten broader and wider um as time has gone by and these are the guys who are running the studies now um Schulz and walsinger and uh just an incredible, profound read, and it'll make you take stock in the importance of your connections to the people that you care most about. Excellent, excellent. And for and for those uh, listening back, yeah, the good life. Um, for those listening back on the audio, awesome, appreciate it so much. So that's going to conclude today's episode of Confessions of a Market Maker. If you guys enjoyed this episode, please rate and review it for us. If you'd like to join a supportive and professional community of traders, you can join us at microefutures.com. Doc. Let the listeners know where they can find you and anything else you'd like them to know. Uh, I am the founder and CEO of Pearl Institute. You can reach me very easily on Twitter. My username is P Perlman at P Perlman, P P E A R L M A N. You can also go to Pearl Inst, Pearl com. Uh, you can also reach me by email at pperlman at gmail.com. Um, and my newsletter is the Prime Cuts newsletter. If you uh, Google Perlman Prime Cuts newsletter, you'll find that. It's on Substack. Uh, I have thousands. You know, I usually post something. It's for free once a week. I have thousands of people that read it every week. Uh, it's just fun for me to do. Awesome. Good stuff. And we'll put, we'll put all the links um, in the description uh, for the podcast and the video. So for Dr. Phil Perlman, he's a gorilla of house street. I'm Paulie Walnuts. You stops though. You stops. Beautiful way to, <laughs> beautiful way to finish. Cheers, fellas. Hey,